Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. And thank you guys once again for joining the Nine Innings Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Kevin Thompson, founder and CEO of Nine Innings Capital Group. Thank you guys for joining us. As I always say, subscribe to the channel. As I always say, go and get my book, MLB to CFP, live on Apple Books. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can go to www.9inningscapitalgroup.com. Schedule an appointment, or you can go to our YouTube station and look at our YouTube channel and subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is 980s Podcast, or ask a question via email at 980s at 9icapgroup.com. Send your questions, comments, or concerns, and we will get back to you too sweet. So today we're going to talk about three investment vehicles and the differences between those three investment vehicles and the different philosophies around those three investment vehicles today we're talking about the difference between mutual funds stocks and etfs let's get it Most of us have come into this world with an idea of, hey, you know what? I want to buy a single stock. I'm going to buy said company XYZ. This company, I'm going to follow it. This company should do well. Or my 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 parents have owned uh, Coca-Cola since I was six years old. And Coca-Cola has gone from A, from X to Y, from returns and or Disney or whatever the company may be right? There's been thousands upon thousands of companies that have done that, that have made millionaires out of regular individuals. There's also been thousands and thousands or more companies that have actually done the opposite, have, have gone from X to zero. You have to understand that when buying a single stock, there's that idiosyncratic risk between of that particular company and it going to zero. So today we're going to talk about stocks, ETFs, mutual funds, and let's just start where we just left off with stocks. So stocks are basically just a investment in a company and ownership. You are now a shareholder of that company. So if I go buy stock and let's just say I, I go and I IPO my company, I do initial public offering of my company. Now 90s capital group is trading on the NASDAQ or the S&P as 9i cap. Now you can go in and you can go in and, and buy some 9i cap at, say I, I, I issue it at $10 a share. So you're buying that company based on the fact that you believe in the management, you believe on the growth of that company, and you believe in what that company can produce in regard to uh, building revenue, build, selling their widgets, doing all those things over a long period of time and growing their business exponentially over a lifetime. What you're buying in that company is future is a future revenue, a future earning stream in that company and the growth of that company and possibly dividends in that company. So you are tying yourself to that particular company. The good side of that is there could be some exponential growth that $10 a share that you purchase could be $50 a share five years from now. 
or $100 a share 10 years from now. Maybe the stock splits. Maybe not only the, the $10 share that you had, it splits and now you get more shares on top of more shares on top of more shares, additional, additional, additional shares. And now you're multiplying your investment over time. The beauty about single stock ownership is just that, the amount of return that you can receive for that individual security. But the risk that you're taking is just that, the risk of default, the idiosyncratic risk of that company, the fraudulent risk of a CEO or executive member team doing something that's not in the best interest of the shareholders. That is what you're, or of course, you're talking about industry risk or recession risk, all those different types of risks that are associated with that company. So I would say I own companies personally. I do own companies because I follow those companies. I do the, the due diligence that's needed to make sure that these companies are acting in the best interest of not only my best interest, but ultimately doing what is take doing what is necessary to get the returns that they said they're going to get quarter over quarter. I'm on those conference calls. I'm doing all of those different things. Maybe we're even asking questions sometimes. Who knows? But the idea is that is the single stock ownership risk you're willing to take inside of a company for the additional return that you're willing to take, willing to receive for that risk. So stock ownership, by all means, you have to be, you have to have that risk tolerance for that. In general, people who have risk tolerance for stock ownership have other assets doing other things, which is a good mixture of all these different assets that we're going to talk about today. So one, stock ownership. I enjoy it. I have stock ownership, but I also have some other forms of ownership as well, which we're going to get into, which is part two. ETFs or exchange traded funds. You may or may not be uh, uh uh, knowledgeable about this, but exchange traded funds are just that they straight, they trade on an exchange. For example, the S and P 500 or the Dow Jones or the NASDAQ have exchanges that trade their value, whether it be BlackRock, uh, whether it be BlackRock Vanguard uh, or state street or what have you, fidelity, they have their own versions of these S and P funds or these NASDAQ funds or these Dow Jones funds or these MSCI funds. You are trading on an index, which means that you own what the index owns. To put it to put it bluntly, if you buy the S&P 500, which again, let me tell you this, you cannot own the S&P 500. You, as an investor, cannot own the S&P 500, but you can own something similar to that. And these companies are offering something that is similar to that. And why do I say you can't own the S&P 500? It's because the S&P 500 doesn't have taxes. The S&P 500, 500 doesn't have expenses, doesn't have trading costs. But you can own something very similar to the S&P 500, which is some like from a company like BlackRock or State Street or Fidelity or, um, or Vanguard or something to that effect. So these companies say, okay, buy the S&P 500. When you buy the S&P 500, you are buying just that, the S&P 500 or something very, very similar to it. So when the S&P 500 is up 7% in a day or one, sorry, 1% 1 in a day or 2% in a day, you're getting 99% of that 1% or 2%. The same thing on the other side, you're getting 99% of that 1% or 2% downside. So it's important to understand that ETFs or exchange traded funds are just that. They trade on an exchange and they are designed to do 
to diversify you across multiple assets. The S&P 500 is a diversified asset class within itself. It owns 500 of the largest cap companies in the United States of America. So what that basically means that is it owns large caps, small caps, mid caps, but it ultimately has diversification across all these 500 companies. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's there to be understood that it's diversified in itself. How we use ETFs in our planning philosophy is that we like to use multiple asset classes of exchange traded funds in our portfolios. So how we use that, we'll have some S&P 500. We may have some MSCIFE, AFA. We may have some US uh, AG, uh, the AG index in there. We may have some uh, international index in there, some domestic international, some developed, in, in, sorry, developed inter international, some non-developed international, some emerging markets in there. We'll buy the indexes of these, uh, these markets and put them in a portfolio where it diversifies our risk, diversifies our idiosyncratic risk. Why is that? It's because we don't have any one single stock uh, overweight to where we are subject to a bankruptcy or anything like that. This diversifies all of that idiosyncratic risk out of your portfolio. So ETFs, exchange traded funds, they buy an index, you trade on an index, you own that index. And what we do as a philosophy here is we wanna get as much return per level of risk that you're taking based on multiple asset class exposure, removing your idiosyncratic risk, that's why we buy the ETFs. That's why we have them in our portfolios. And another beautiful thing is they're very, very low cost. Very, very low cost. Comparatively to what? To what we're going to next, mutual funds. Mutual funds come in all different flavors. You have A shares. You, have, you had B shares. You have C shares. You have F shares. You have R shares. We're not going to get into all of that. Most of you probably see R shares in your retirement accounts. Most of, some of you may see F shares inside of your uh, your fee based accounts. Some of you may see A shares inside of your brokerage accounts. Some of you may see I shares, which is institutional shares, inside of your fee based accounts as well, or your four hundred one ks. What we're going to talk about is what a mutual fund actually is. Mutual funds are actually funds that are owned by. Maybe American Funds, maybe Fidelity, maybe uh, BlackRock. All these same companies who own the ETFs own mutual funds. The mutual funds are designed to have exposure. It may have the same S&P exposure, but ultimately what they're doing is that they're, they're, they're making small bets on a large cap unit or maybe a large cap core or a large cap or maybe a value unit or maybe they have a growth unit and they'll have 20 to 25, maybe 50 or 100, depending on how they're allocated, just depending on their philosophy about it. But it's managed by that company. It's based on their core philosophy. So BlackRock may have a different philosophy than American funds and, and their growth portfolios. So their growth portfolio from BlackRock versus the growth portfolio from an American funds could be entirely different. And their returns could be entirely different based on what their methodology is. Mutual funds cost a little bit more because you're getting active management of that mutual fund. They are actively managing the mutual fund. They're removing uh, some, some uh, funds or stocks out of their portfolio and putting in others based on, on returns, risk, and all the other stuff. 
it's important to understand that the, when they when that happens inside of a mutual fund, there's a taxation, a taxability to that, especially if you're in a non-qualified account. But we're not going to get into all that today. We're just going to talk about the high-level aspects of mutual funds. They're a little bit higher cost than ETFs. Some of, some mutual funds do have an exchange portion of them. Some of, like Vanguard has a mutual fund that's that's an exchange, uh, a mutual fund that's an exchange mutual fund, uh, which basically means that it's it's a fund that is not exchange but an index fund. It's an index fund, very low cost, much like the exchange traded fund. The exchange traded fund. The, the main difference between an ETF and a mutual fund. Mutual fund trades once a day. Exchange trades, exchange traded fund or ETF trades all all times of the day. So you can go in, you can trade it, and you get liquidity immediately. It's usually T plus two as of legislation recently. But uh, mutual funds trade once a day, and it's T plus one, which means if you trade it that day, you get a, you get liquidity the very following day to trade that trade those funds uh, or access those funds out of your account. The beauty about the mutual fund is that if you redeem it that day, the, those funds are basically available available immediately. And you can trade those funds immediately into another mutual fund or redeem them or exchange them to another mutual fund. So depending on how you want to structure your portfolio, uh, we like stocks, we like ETFs, we somewhat like mutual funds on the index side, not necessarily as much on the uh, on the man actively managed side due to the fact that they like the people were going to say, Oh, the actively ma managed or actively traded mutual fund hasn't done very well against the uh, against the index funds or or the exchange traded funds over the long period of time. So why not just buy the index? Well, that's somewhat true, but there are some winners out there. So you pay for the winners, and that's why the winners are a little bit more expensive because you have to pay for the winners. The winners do well, and the winners do better. They get they get paid more money, and, and that's what they do. That's 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 the design of it. So today we talked about stocks. I own stocks. You buy stocks because you have a belief in that said company. You can buy multiple stocks because you have beliefs in that said company. And you're likely or unlikely, you're more likely to get outsized returns by buying stocks, individual stocks, and, and having those stocks move up versus just buying mutual fund or ETFs and having those, those dollars go, go out over time. Reason being is because with stocks, you don't own all the bad. You just own what you like. You don't own all the bad. The worst thing about the stock is that, hey, your stock can be the bad one, right? But at the end of the day, if it's the good one, you don't own all the bad versus, like we said, secondly, in exchange traded funds or ETFs, you own the exchange, you own all the good, you own all the bad, you own all the in-between, but you're going to get what the, that exchange returns you over a long period of time. If you look at historical context, if you have a diversified portfolio, let's just say it's a 50-50 uh, ETF uh, index portfolio over a five-year period, rolling averages since 1950, you've never had a down year. Over a five-year period since 1950, I'm going to say it again, you've never had a down year of a 50-50 portfolio. Stocks have had a few down years in that, in that capacity, but stocks have never been down over a 10-year period. Stocks have never been down over a 20-year period. So look at it. In a long-term perspective, whether you own stocks, whether you own mutual funds, whether you own ETFs. And again, the last thing I want to say is mutual funds. They're more uh, actively invested unless you have an index fund. But a mutual fund is more actively invested, whether it be American funds, a BlackRock, a Fidelity, a Vanguard. That's their actively managed fund that's going to have a more of a, I'll say, an exposure towards a core component inside of that portfolio to get outsized returns. It could happen. I don't know. 
But the idea is stocks, ETFs, mutual funds, they're all different, but they all act the same way. They're designed to get you returns. If you have any questions, guys, come uh, go to our website, www.980scapitalgroup.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Like I said before, go to the web, go to the channel and subscribe. Go get my book, MLB to CFP. You know what we're here to do. Educate, empower, and engage. And I hope we educated you today. Talk a little bit about stocks. Talk to you a little bit about ETFs. Talk to you a little bit about mutual funds. If you have any questions, go to the website, www.980scapitalgroup.com or you can email us at 980s at 9 Stay humble, stay safe. We'll see you next week. <laughs>